Before we begin, I want to thank the sponsor of Oil & Gas Upstream, Oliva Gibbs. Oliva Gibbs provides clear legal solutions to complex oil, gas, and mineral law issues nationwide. We believe that when we focus on serving people, good things happen in the lives of our clients and employees. We just happen to be a law firm. Learn more at oglawyers.com. Oil and gas production is the union of natural systems with advanced science and complex engineering. Smart people across the globe create this remarkable place we call Upstream, and each day brings a new challenge. This is the Oil and Gas Upstream podcast, where we look at how these systems come together and learn from the people who make it happen. Welcome to Oil & Gas Upstream. I'm Elena Melkert, your host. Some of you know me as the former director for Oil & Gas Upstream Research at the U.S. Department of Energy. I retired from the DOE, founded a small consultancy, and became a podcast host. Before we get started, I'd like to thank our wonderful sponsor, Oliva Gibbs. Oliva Gibbs provides clear legal solutions to complex oil, gas, and mineral law issues nationwide. You can learn more at oglawyers.com. And now I'd like to introduce today's guest, Matt Oberdorfer, founder and CEO of EOT. Hi, Matt. Thanks for being with us today. Hey, Elena. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Matt is the founder and CEO of EOT, a leading industrial software company dedicated to helping industrial companies improve efficiency, reduce downtime, and increase productivity. EOT's innovative products and services leverage the latest technologies, including AI and machine learning, to deliver real-time insights and enable data-driven decision-making. EOT's customers include BP and Hillcore and others. Matt holds five patents and advocates the use of AI to to pave the way for smart manufacturing and sustainable energy. Matt, wow, that's great. Right on the cutting edge of things. Tell us a little bit more about uh, EOT and how you started it and what solutions, what problems you were trying to solve. Just give, give us a sense of all of that, please. Oh, absolutely. So EOT got started uh, because of two reasons. First of all, um, the first reason is, is, is kind of a, an interesting social reason. Um, I was sitting in Houston at a coffee shop uh, with a bunch of friends of mine, and all of them were, you know, in the oil and gas business and have been in the oil and gas business for you know, their life, basically, you know, um, all around the world. And and so, at some point, we said, you know what, we should we should start a company uh, th- that is only you know, with people we really like working with, you know, like what, what if you actually go on a call and everybody on the call is like fun and you have, you know, basically friends, right? Uh, that wouldn't be that great, you know, every day you actually, you know, come to the virtual or the, the real office this way. So, so that was the first reason, right? You know, oh, that's what, a good reason that? already. <laughs> Stop there. I know. Oil and gas and fun. I mean, wow. Yeah, exactly. And the second reason was that, um, you know, uh, a, a, a lifetime ago, I was um, helping a lot of startup companies 
to um, get connected with oil and gas companies and energy companies in general. And, and, and um, they all had solutions for analytics and AI and machine learning. And these companies always ran into a problem. And that is a problem that is very overlooked and nobody really thinks about it much. Uh, but it leads to the fact that most POCs, you know, proof of concepts and proof of values uh, that actually, you know, oil and gas companies do are in a way successful and yet they fail. Right. So so what, what, what basically happens is you have a really cool AI solution that says, hey, you know, we can improve, uh, you know, your production or we we have an anomaly detection system that detects anomaly in the plunger cycle or something like that. And then um, at the end, they can do this, but the oil and gas company will actually never use their solution. And so it's called the POC hell, you know, the, 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 the where they land. So it's like the POC hell is plastered full of successful POCs. Oh. And and there's a reason for that, right? So the question is, why, why is that? And if you Google it, you know, why do digital transformation projects in industrial, you know, companies, specifically in oil and gas, fail so many times, right? And people are like, oh, it's the process or it's uh, organizational resistance or, you know, whatever. And and so we kind of looked into this problem uh, that's it's kind of like a problem that is not very, let, let's say, attractive because everybody wants to do analytics and AI, but kind of figuring out how to actually get data from one point to the other point is not very, you know, you know, it doesn't sound very like appealing, but it's a really big problem. So what we decided is if we can actually help all the analytics and AI companies in the world to get their hands on real time data that sits, you know, um, in an oil well and, and measures the tubing pressure, the static pressure, the tank volumes, everything that's busy around in the field. Um, and we can connect that to AI systems and we can connect it to machine learning and, and, and big data analytics. Then a couple of, we will have a lot of friends, right? I mean, obviously these AI companies will be our friend. The cloud vendors, because that's where they typically run, will be also our friend. The customer will be our friend. Uh, so everybody will be our friend. Um, so in, in, instead of actually coming up with another AI solution, what we very at the very beginning of the company did is we focused on technology that would allow oil and gas companies to transport data from their assets into the cloud and then also from the cloud back to the assets so that, you know, it's kind of like plumbing, right? So when uh, when the AI company comes and says, hey, you know, we have this cool AI stuff and the oil and gas company says, okay, well, we have some static, you know, you know, pre-recorded data on a thumb drive that we can give you and they, they, they uh, go up and uh, try out their AI stuff on that that data and they come back and says, here, see, it works. And uh, the oil and gas company wants to actually put it in production. They can use our stuff. Our software will allow them to actually put it in production uh, so that they can get real-time data, run the AI models, you know, in real time and provide the insights back to the operators to actually do something with it. So that was the second reason 
why the company was started. Wonderful, wonderful. Wow. Well, you know, it's very timely. Absolutely. And uh, there is a lot of data in the oil and gas sector. Absolutely. And right now we're using the finest machine in the world, which is our brain to kind of assess all these. But clearly there's a lot more data um, that we could take advantage of to give us some insights about where to go next and create more value. Um, so definitely this is, this is exactly uh, an exciting thing that, that you'll be doing. So, so give us some, um, some examples of how this comes into play, maybe an onshore scenario of uh, how, uh, you know, Elena's oil and gas company could take advantage of this. Elena's oil and gas company, yeah, absolutely. I just made it up. Well, it could be Elena, Elena and Matt's oil company. That may be better. Yeah. <laughs> so let's assume we have 10,000 wells. So what could we do um, if, we, if, we, if we had... Okay, I'm going to start again. Okay, let's say we have 10,000 wells. What could we do? Well, if we have 10,000 10, wells, um, there will be a, a lot of um, you know, field engineers and, and operators that which you know typically watch w how each well is doing. Right? They they are looking at uh, the, the the different pressures, you know, static pressure. They they understand uh, the the plunger cycle. They will try to assess if it's you know too slow, too fast, what the speed is, and and all that stuff. And they are really the experts in figuring out which wells need attention. However, with ten thousand wells. You have a lot of people that have to watch a lot of charts and understand them. And each of these people has to be like a, 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 a super expert, you know, a beautiful mind type of person <laughs> that can make sense out of these charts and, and assess really fast, you know, whether they have to go there or do something. Now, um, and then also, let's say they figure out there are five wells that really need attention. You know, is is that the only are these the only five wells? Do you know, what is the best route to go there? Do should they also visit some other ones because they can do some preventive maintenance uh, on them before even a problem occurs? So instead of reactive based, you know, uh, um, you know, fixing firefighting, you actually go proactive and 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 do something beforehand, right? So what you can do or what we can do with our Elena and Matt, 10,000 Well Company, is we basically can can take this solution and load this data. And I'm really literally talking about, you know, all these charts, all the tubing, static, differential pressures, the flow rate, you know, all this stuff. We load it up in the cloud. Uh, there it gets analyzed. Um, and, you know, the same charts, um, but this time we're going to use a machine learning library, we train machine learning models to uh, detect anomalies, uh, to find patterns, to understand across 10,000 wells, you know, uh, what are possible uh, changes that make them better. Right? We can run scenarios um, and, and simulate events even though they didn't occur yet. Uh, and in that, uh, we'll be able to provide insights back to the operators and say, hey, you know, check out you know, this well over there, we think uh, you could do this or that, right? So in a way, it's advice and helpful insights back to the operators so that they can, you know, they, they basically get another set of eyes, but it's it's also something where they can, you know, um, see uh, how 
um, a machine, like, machine learning algorithm, you know, would have created uh, the set points or what, they, what, what the set points are, what set points to change are su suggested and, and how to actually change it, right? So, so it's, a, it's, it's an advice that comes back to the operators to augment basically them um, planning their routes, um, you know, making changes, doing maintenance on these systems. That way, you can do two things. First of all, you really um, you know, can get faster through your daily work uh, as an operator because you already get suggestions like, hey, we found an anomaly over here. Did you see this, right? Uh, secondly, we suggest you do X, Y, and Z, right? And you could know, oh, no, we did this already. Uh, you know, there's some, something in the works or whatever. So, um, you know, that, that would just allow you to to get this additional advice and then planning the routes, which is the fastest way, which one you should you should should visit. Also, there's also advice there, right? So ultimately, it's really allowing to um, to help the operator um, to get through their day faster and better and easier. Absolutely. So that's that's, that's one that's that's one of the use cases and. I think that uh, we, you and me, Elena, we would we would really love it. We would love it. <laughs> We'd be quite profitable, I'm sure, right? Time efficient, which is money. Um, so absolutely. And of course, energy security is a function of us being able to deliver the oil and gas at the time and uh, place that it's needed. So ab absolutely. No, that's it's a very exciting to take new technologies and find. So what about um, offshore? Is there an offshore application that you could share? Yes, I mean, uh, onshore, offshore, um, let's take another example um, from the, um, from um, drilling, right? So in drilling, um, the data that is required uh, to kind of optimize uh, the drilling uh, process is quite different from, you know, the operating oil wells, right? Operating oil wells typically has a frequency let's say of one minute data or five minute data. So every one minute you get a tubing pressure, you know, or something like that. Tanks are even slower. Like a tank doesn't change much in one minute, right? <laughs> it's like, it's like right. nothing is happening in one minute. But in real time drilling, when you do let's say offshore drilling or so, um, th then it's really about, you know, the, the drill bit, you know, where the bit goes, what what's happening. And so, um, we, you know, let's say we would have some offshore assets and we would want to optimize that. So what the solution could do is to, again, transfer data uh, that is much larger. Uh, so we have sub-second drilling data um, that, you know, goes down to, uh, you, know, you know, a billion plus records uh, that are created per day. Let's say we would have 100, you know, rigs or so. Um, so, uh, you know, a billion records per day, transport it to the cloud, analyze it uh, with machine learning, visualize it, and then in real time, provide feedback back to the uh, uh, the, the offshore assets and the, the, the field, uh, uh, the operators there or the uh, uh, drill engineers there. So that would, again, help uh, them to to actually do their job way better because it, it shows them um, it, it, and this is very, very difficult because the 
amount of data is so massive to to be able to actually do this. But you know, again, you know, that's where that's what I said at the beginning. We focused really on being able to transport uh, a massive amount of data in real time from one point, you know, in the field out to or you know offshore uh, into the cloud and and back, right? And then you know you also mix in the machine learning and AI, and boom. <laughs> <laughs> you have a solution that actually makes a difference. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. The um, information that you need in order to drill safely and optimally and and be able to stay on target on your trajectory, um, all of that is all of that is time, all of that is money. And the you know, you want to optimize that experience for uh, for the well itself, right? The more precisely that you can stay on target with your design, then um, everything works better because everything's built on your design, all the assumptions. So absolutely being able to um, have all that information and put you in the decision making position in real time or as close to time as we can get. So so the uh, the data at the base, how long does that take to get up to, sort of the cloud and then back to the decision maker if there is a need to make a change. Is that a... So, yes. So in terms of um, latency, right? So how long does it take from get, let's say, field over to um, to the cloud and back? So it depends on the requirement of the use case. What I mean with this is some of the use cases require a very, very um, high latency or, or it, it can take a long time. Like for instance, um, we one of the use cases that we do, it's very simple, but very important, is the morning report of the production of yesterday. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So the morning report, you know. That's what the boss wants is, to is know, probably, right? <laughs> right? This is what the boss wants to know. And it's it's typically it's 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 really running um, at some early point in the morning about and, and it takes all the data from yesterday and, and rolls it up and stuff right. So all the data has to come in, but it runs only one time per day. So the latency is doesn't really matter if it's you know there within one second or whatever. It's more like it runs one time before everybody you know gets to the office and then boom you have it into sale right. So that's you know not very important to be low latency. In real-time drilling um, and in other um, use cases, um, the requirements that we have um, is going down to one second. So literally something is happening in the field and one second later it's in the cloud. Wow. That's the most extreme (coughs) form of latency that we currently support. Um, And then as soon as it's in the cloud, it also has to run, I mean, the actual data can be visualized immediately because it's there. But if, if then it has to also run as an input in an analytics or machine learning model, right? It has to run through there too and then produce these insights, right? So that creates another latency. So if you want to provide these insights in addition to the raw data back to, you know, whoever needs it in the field, uh, then, you know, uh, that, depending on the machine learning model, uh, is, is probably a latency of um, a minute or, or two, depending on you know how complex the model is. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's so exciting to know that um, 
that that information can be made available at such a quick rate with such high reliability um, and really allow you a moment to catch your breath with the decision you have to make if it is a human intervention that needs to take place. And that really... I mean, we are, we are living, I think, and we are experiencing right now a huge shift in this industry. What I mean with this is this whole concept of the digital oil field and you know, industrial IOT has been around for decades. You know, people were doing this dig digital oil fields, I don't know, 20 years ago. They're like, oh, we have a digital oil field or we are trying to get one. Right. However, right. however, something has changed now, right? So it's the same thing with, um, and, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. But basically, you know, 30 years ago, somebody invented the neural network, you know, AI, Right. Uh, then it had a kind of heyday, um, I think in the 70s, mm -hmm. and then it was dead. Nobody wanted to be even associated with AI. <laughs> Nobody wanted to even be like, they are charlatans, it's not working, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like a no-no thing. Like, it's kind of like the last thing you actually want to say, yeah, I do AI, it's like, okay, well, great. Uh, <laughs> so, and today it's the opposite, right? right. Uh, because of some breakthroughs. And so what I think is happening in, you know, for everybody who's like, oh, we did digital oil fields already 20 years ago. No, you did that. But today something else is happening. And, and there's two things that are very important differences. The first one is that this whole concept that most people talk about right now with chat GPT is not yet usable for anything um, in the uh, industrial IoT um, business, except language-based type of explanations. Why? Because the chat GPT uh, models, you know, these are basically um, a gen a generative pre-trained transformer models. That's what the GPT stands for. Mm. They are really based on large language models, right? So the, the sources is text, the output is text, and it's words and sentences and so on, right? A oil well does not speak in text. An oil well, a, 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 a rig and the sensors do not produce letters, right? I mean, maybe they say stop if something stops or whatever, but most of it is is real-time floating-point data, right? So this is numbers, integers, and floating-point numbers, right? Now, what's happening right now is that there's a, an effort going on by companies like ours, but also uh, in, in academia, to actually produce and create a similar type of model for floating-point and real-time uh, data uh, in terms of AI, right? So it's kind of like chat GPT for time series, you know, where you can actually have an oil well, let's say an ESP um, or, you know, a couple of ESPs and, and, and the sensors from those, and you actually can use that to train your models, even though it's, 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 you know, all numbers, you actually train now machine learning models with this new type of AI. And, what that will allow you to do 
is literally to answer questions about that particular oil well. When will it fail? How will it fail? What are the possible reasons? What will be the first thing that's going to go out? What do you think is the life expectancy for this particular oil well? And so on, right? So imagine you can ask these questions as an operator for all your wells. Well, show me the first, the, the, show me the wells that are going to fail next in the next six months. Stack them up. Right? Show it on a graph. And, right? and why are they going to fail and how, you know? Uh, so why are we going to fail? Um, you know, why are we going to fail? And what can we do about it? You know, so these are technologies that are going to be available soon, you know, to operators, right? In the next couple of years, uh, it will become basically a standard, right? Um, and that is exciting. That is because exciting. Suddenly, suddenly the digital oil field is real, right? It's not kind of like a weird virtual 3D thing that flies around or whatever in space, but it's a, a usable insight that will tell you something you cannot possibly know yourself because it derives this knowledge from scanning through all these wells, from understanding when they failed in the past 10 years or 20 years, and then allowing you to take that knowledge and answer questions about a particular well you want to know. Right? Absolutely. With all this knowledge in the background. Right? So that is that's why I'm saying this is a fascinating time yes. and this will be a huge Im impact and shift yeah. For, yeah. for the industry. So is there a, um, so this is, you know, lots of information, short amount of time, um, some analytics, um, outputs that the human can decide on and, and evaluate whether or not it's real or true based on what their understanding of the reservoirs might be and, and the situation. So is there application in um, hydraulic fracturing in shales to kind of uh, control where the fractures grow, um, if you will, based on the feedback that you get from how the, how the, um, the well is experiencing uh, the pressure? The fraction fracture? To be honest, there might be use cases, but I've not looked into that specifically. So I don't know. Well, that's always sort of the magic that I'm looking for, right? I mean, once once right. you know how to do something, I want you to do the next thing, right? I'm impatient. No, no, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure that yeah, absolutely. You know, if you know how the fractures go, I'm sure that you can simulate that too. I've just you know. As a as a thought model, you know, I personally have not thought through that right, yet. Right. So, I'm, but I'm sure that that's. I think that's a it's a great use case, and I'm sure it it actually will work for that too. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Well, you've written a book, um, the Trailblazer's Guide to Industrial IoT. So, tell us about your book and some of the key messages. Yeah, so this book, the Trailblazer's Guide to Industrial IoT. Um, is a is kind of I wrote it because it's it's kind of it's kind of response to my experiences, you know, uh, in an, in the oil and gas industry, in particular, actually, and it's very different uh, from in any other industrial IoT book. So, um, so if you want to have a great book that talks about MQTT and protocols that you know a PLC is talking you know, to an OPC UA server. So that is not the book. Okay. Well, you just used a whole bunch of alphabet soup there, and I'm not sure I understood. <laughs> that is not the book. Okay. 
uh, because there are industrial IoT books that specifically talk about protocols on okay. you know systems and you know and in and, and so this book is a novel. It's actually a story. Oh, right, and it's written for people that. Um, uh, you know, are on the brink of doing uh, an industrial IoT project, right? So it's what I said earlier, it's a response because I've seen so many of these POCs land in POC hell and that there's, there's always reasons why they fail. So in this book, the main character, who is the trailblazer, um, starts out um, and gets a message um, written on his whiteboard in his office that's, you know, based in a, in a large city in Texas. <laughs> um, and the whiteboard message basically says, Hey, um, you know, do we, do we really need actually industrial IOT and AI? Do we need all this stuff to, you know, make our company better or survive or whatever? And so he starts out with this kind of answering the question and talking to his team and long story short, they embark on this um, project to implement an industrial IoT solution inside their company. And this book explains what challenges they run into, how close they come to failing, right? Um, you know, it has information about technology in it. It explains uh, a lot about AI and gives a uh, gives a glimpse on you know what could be done and how it could be done, but it's really about the journey um, and how to kind of avoid the pitfalls and the landmines uh, that typically happen uh, when a company tries to do that. Yeah. So, so it's a it's a very kind of different book. It's yeah, more it sounds like you know, an adventure more, book. It is more written. Well, it's it, that's kind of you know stretching it a little bit. It's not really an adventure, but oh. it, it, it's it's really meant to kind of um, give an idea of um, the an answer to how can you avoid failing. You know, upgrading your IT OT environment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a, a that's a question that people ask themselves a lot. Right at the beginning, at the middle, at the uh, uh, in a growth period of your company, perhaps. I mean, that question comes right. up a lot. So that's that's excellent, right. excellent. Well, we are almost out of time, Matt. Um, is there anything else you want to share with your audience, uh, with our audience about um, about um, EOT or about IoT or about AI or ML? <laughs> <laughs> in terms of real-time decision-making, um, yes. uh, looking toward the yeah. future, perhaps, what, what excites you about um, the future uh, in oil and gas upstream? Yes. So for me, the most exciting thing is is really this new technology that's coming down the pipe. And my, you know, I'm super excited about it because I think it will make things safer, right? Yeah. Uh, specifically in the oil and gas industry. It will make uh, things, uh, processes and work uh, and, and jobs and so on healthier. Uh, it, it will, you know, help with all the carbon footprint and sustainability um, and also, you know, just help with, you know, better production, more production and so on. So for me, this is really a technology and a way to kind of think about if, if, you know, I don't know if your listeners are, you know, you know, also in the, you know, leaders in, in uh, some of the, the big oil and gas companies, 
but ultimately it's a strategic move. It's a strategic decision to embrace these kind of things for real or just have like a pet project going on, right? right. To see if, if it makes sense, right? So I would just say, you know, if, if, if you have the chance to, you know, educate yourself on, on some level on what it can do for your industry, you know, take the chance. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's, it's a big uh, change is coming. And um, now is the time where you really want to kind of get ahead of the curve, understand exactly what it means for you and your company and for your job and, and, and for your organization. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that's, that's wonderful. That's very, I can see why you're excited absolutely about this. Well, Matt Oberdorfer, CEO and founder of EOT, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing all about your contributions to the oil and gas uh, upstream sector. Um, and, and I'm so grateful that you were so educational for all of us in, uh, in areas that spill out over and beyond oil and gas. It, it very much uh, appears that it would do so. Well, thank you so much, Elena. It was a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Please give us a review and tell us what you'd like and what you'd like to hear more about on future podcasts. This is Elena Melkert, your host for Oil & Gas Upstream, and more next time. Join us again next week on the Oil & Gas Upstream podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com. <laughs>